Hi, everyone. This is Catching Up with the Nerds with your hosts, Tom and JC, and a special guest, Sarah, today. Uh, this is a podcast about two dads that are catching up on all the nerdy stuff we missed, sharing how we pass on our nerdy passions to our kids, and deep diving into nerd, nerd pop culture to make it more accessible for you, our listener. Welcome back. Hello. <laughs> all righty. So, does everyone want to do a round of intros today? Because we've got so many. We got our first guest, Tom. Like, we yes. actually convinced someone to join. Hello. Um, so, Thank you for so, having me. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, uh, so, Sarah, would you like to, to introduce yourself? You sure? Okay. Um, so, I'm Sarah Rawlings. I'm a writer for Anime UK News. Um, normally, your intros you mentioned. Um, so, I'm happily married for eight years, and I got a son who turns two later this year. Um, yeah. Awesome. Up a little bit. <laughs> so you you have just elevated this show substantially by actually having a profession that somehow ties into this as opposed to us like weekend amateurs. So you just class the whole thing up so much more. <laughs> All right, Tom, you want to go? Uh, yep, my name is Tom. I'm 50% of the catching up with a with the podcast, but 100% French. Uh, <laughs> see that? Yeah, I went there. Um, I'm happily married to Ellie, who is my wife of now 20-something years. Well, no, we've known each other for 20 years, but married for about a few years. I need to check on my ring when, when we got married. I'll never forget. Um, never remember that. Uh, we got two kids, uh, four-year-old Louis, who is, uh, I think, now confirmed crazy, and then a 11-year-old daughter, Emily, who is right now playing Spider-Man on PlayStation 5. Nice. Very nice. Uh, and I'm the other half of the podcast. Uh, this is JC. Uh, my full name is Juan Carlos Garay. I'm originally from Honduras, but uh, lived in the UK for 10 years. And now I am a native to Portland, Oregon. I've got an amazing wife called Fiorella and uh, two kids called Arabelle and Aiden. Uh, Aiden's 11 and is uh, one was born one week before oh, yeah. Emily. Yeah, yeah, so that's where Tom and I met. Uh, not at labor, but... Uh, shortly after <laughs> and uh, uh and i've got a little five-year-old named maribel uh and uh, this is uh, catching up with the word nerds everyone and for today's episode we're going into a topic that we have wanted to get into pretty much since the first episode we cut like we knew this was going to be a topic but we we're just waiting to have someone that actually knew what they were talking about as opposed to us uh <laughs> to join us to talk about this and uh, we're going to talk about anime and more specifically yeah, yeah. what are our anime passions and it's less of a top five and more of a what is the anime that first kind of got you into anime? Like, what's the first thing that that really like hooked you? But also, what's the first thing you ever saw or even recognized? It was anime. There was something different. We're gonna go around and have everybody kind of share some of their recommendations and kind of their little their their passions and things that 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 they uh, that they feel would uh, get you excited. So we will start off this time with Sarah because uh, she's got a hell of a list. I gotta say, I'm super impressed. <laughs> so starting where we first um, got into anime, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so I can't quite remember the very first anime I saw. I know it was in 1999. Um, it was either Sailor Moon, which was shown on Fox Kids at the time, which later became Jetix, I think, and then Disney XD. And the other one was Pokemon, which was shown on, I very much remember the SMTV Live with the Poker Raps um, yep. Anton Deck, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> nodding away. Um, I can't remember which one was the first one, but they can't, maybe they just meld in the both. Um, so Sailor Moon is a shoujo series um, of an ordinary girl, Yusagi, um, or as she was called in the original English dub, Serena, who 
has a talking cat randy come up to her and say you are meant to save the world you are sailor moon you've got the power to defeat evil um and she not only has her but also has a bunch of friends who are also um secretly um say they call themselves say the soldiers at the time um uh, yeah so there's a huge team of them it's i suppose in a way nowadays you would say it's a girl's version of, of uh, power rangers but at the time when sailor moon came out it was very very unique it was aimed at mostly girls but from what i understood it, it appealed to both boys and girls because yeah. of not just the female dynamic but also the action and also the how there was like all the five girls were very very different different personalities you had sagi who was a bit more airheaded and clumsy you had ray who was very um hot-headed um you had um sailor venus who was um very sporty but also got light-headed but not as much as you saw uh, sagi yeah. um but also yes yeah, so that was shown um, back in the uh, day, in the early days, I'm sure a lot of people who are into anime right now wouldn't know where that a lot of anime back then was edited to be more kid-friendly. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so Sailor Moon was heavily dubbed and had all new music. Um, a lot of episodes were cut, but still it was something so different compared to other girly shows at the time. And it was a huge hit in the US, the UK, and I think in France as well. Yep. Basically, it was a global phenomenon. And it's still very loved today. There's still anime being made. They're still releasing, well, not new manga, but they're reprinting the manga in like new collector's editions. It's very beloved even to this day. And the other anime, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people in the audience know, as I said, Pokemon. Um, yes, people know from its video game, maybe the card series, but there was a huge anime boom that came out. It obviously was to advertise the video games. So Ash Ketchum is in a world where Pokemon are creatures that you can capture, you can raise, you can befriend, you can um, go in combat with. And it was just his journey to become the greatest Pokemon master. What exactly that entailed? Well, that's him going around the world, um, befriending all these Pokemon, battling other people, winning um, badges as they were called and tournaments and such and also making friends along the way and it's still running to this day Pokemon has now got multiple it's like I think it's like 23 series now um, yep. the latest one called Pokemon Journeys um, but yeah that, so those are the very very first two that obviously back then because you don't really know what anime is when you're a kid you're like you just know something's different about those two series you know they're not like the other cartoons you've seen on air so I think by then that was a f my first experience. And since that was back in 1999 in the UK, but the following year more came up, which in increased my interest even more, which included Tenshi, Mu Tenshi Muyo, Car Captors or Car Captor Sakura was it originally called and mm -hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh, which is another sort of car driven nice. sort of anime. Yeah. And yeah, so that was kind of my first introduction to anime way back when. <laughs> so Sailor Moon is one that to me is very interesting because um, I, I, I never grew up watching Sailor Moon, but I've always found it fascinating when I hear people talk about it, that they always bring up to your point that the fact that both men and women connect with it, even though it was very much at the time kind of marketed towards towards, towards young girls, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, But interestingly, I heard a lot of people in the LGBTQ community coming out going like, it was one of the first shows where we felt somewhat like an inkling of representation because apparently in the non-edited versions there is a romance between the two girls like yeah. is that the case yeah yeah um we didn't really get it in the uk unfortunately we only got the very first that, two seasons 
um, and they never showed the rest, which is very unfortunate. But in the US and in other countries, they did show the others. Um, but yeah, in the third season, which was called Sailor Moon S, they actually have a, a lesbian romance between two of the, the Sailor centuries, so Sailor Uranus and Sailor Neptune, Haruka and Michiru with their normal names. And they're actually two of my favorite characters from the show. But yeah. it wasn't just the fact they were a lesbian couple, but showed that they battled evil together um, they were, had a healthy relationship. They they kind of they always hung out together, but they tease each other, but not too much to make it like you know. And they were very they were just a very happy couple. And they were a couple from the moment you, you they were introduced to up into the end. There was no like drama of them splitting up or whatever. But in the when it was edited for the US audience way back when, they changed them to be cousins. Of course, <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> Like, let's make it quasi-incestuous instead yeah, right, of, yeah, they, like... They, they, they made a huge deal of trying to make... Um, there was one episode where Michiru or Michelle, they called it originally in the English dub, to say, oh, I remember my boyfriend Brad, I think they came, and then they had a flashback. But you can tell it's not a man in the flashback. It was clearly Sally Uranus, so they tried to hide it, but didn't do a very good job. Um, but yeah, it wasn't... Obviously, that was the main, uh, I think... Where, where people they're very positive representation in that season but also i think one of the things that people loved about it was in the original team i think i've touched on this very slightly earlier is that each girl there were they all had very unique personality traits but it wasn't the case that they were all action and all boysy they were also allowed to be feminine they were allowed to like you know jewelry and makeup they were light they were uh, lighter like boys and other people and usagi in the original as well as in the anime and the manga i mean and the anime she has this is a hint that she might be bisexual yep. and in the manga again um, and just i just realized i'm saying the word and maybe people don't know the manga is the original comic book so a lot of these anime start as a comic book form so manga is the japanese equivalent of comic books and yeah, and in the original, it's hinted that she's bisexual, but also it's not afraid to be sex more sexual liberating. So she's allowed to, you know, express herself in that way without being demonized for it. So again, it's something that was very unique and liberating at the time. And a lot of shows since then have come since as hinted Sailor Moon has been a high inspiration for their productions today. See, that, that, to me, that it's so because we talk a lot about like the context, like the cultural context, and how it influences media. We, Chama and I, like to talk about that a lot, and and it it's interesting to hear how the edits have influenced, right? Because you think like, all right, maybe they might be editing for like things that culturally like don't translate, but these are all like universal truths, and like they felt the need to edit because it was the '80s, right? It was like the Reagan '80s, and and this all this conservatism, right? And how the fact that but that that even snuck through, and it was a show, even though it snuck through, and even though it's heavily edited it still was, I felt somewhat progressive for its time because there was not a lot of like dynamics of women team ups, right? It was always like women were objectified or women that were like the prize to get or whatnot. There definitely weren't passing like the Betchdale test, right? At all. And 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 this is kind of the show that really leaned that lean, leans into that. And now we're seeing more representation these days. It's really cool to go back and look at like, no, no, we were actually getting it. It's just, we weren't getting it from the mediums that we normally think of like traditional, like cartoon mediums instead of anime. And that's one of the things that I think to me is so, fascinating about anime is that it allows you to explore topics that normally aren't explored. It, it doesn't have to like uh, conform to like the normal formats of like nuclear family and da 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 and all these things that were happening in the 80s and 90s. It's like it actually broke that mold, which I've always loved about the, the, the medium. 
Yeah, so I suppose when Sailor Moon originally came out, like a lot of the girly sort of, like for example, the very, very first My Little Pony, just for example, was there was very barely any conflict. They were all about friendship, um, fashion, had to yep. be very pink and girly, which, you know, if that's all you had back then, which it felt like at the time, then yeah. something like Sailor Moon was a breath of fresh air, something that allowed the girls to be not just that, but also kicking butts, taking names, able to save the world. They were able to have relationships, able to have conflicts. They had arguments between each other, but also stayed, stayed friends afterwards, which is what happens in real life. You don't, it's not everything's perfect 100% of the time, which I think is why people are drawn so much to Sailor Moon and the characters, they all feel like real people, people you could be friends with. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that's, an, um, I agree with you, like a lot of anime back then, like that few that I mentioned before, like Car Captors, um, Tenchi Muyo, you didn't have, there was nothing like it on air when those two came out. and. It was like something so new and animation. You, you know from the visuals, it was something completely different to what you know before. But the stories they were telling, that's what catches you and, and makes you want to explore more from the genre. Great. So now let's go over to Tom and talk about your first anime experience. What you got, buddy? Right. So um, just just to put it back in context, um, growing up in France with, with anime, because the... Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Sarah, but France is sort of the second biggest market for anime and Japanese culture outside of Japan in terms of the um, sales and money. I don't know if maybe America it is much. Or... It's more huge over there. Yeah, um, even today, like there's a lot of manga that gets translated in French, French like, way before in English, yeah. and uh, yeah, so yeah, it's it's huge over in France. It's, it, they, they, because it, because France has a also a massive culture around, um, you know you know like stuff like asterix and and tintin or you know the, the, all the comic books um so books are something that's culturally everywhere in france there's there's a lot of festivals there's a lot of um comic con like but not for comics just for actual books um, throughout france there's a lot of um a lot of people that are into their books and, and their written words um so we used to get a lot of animes straight out of japan that were um, voiced in french uh, pretty much b before everyone else in Europe. I don't know in the world, but in Europe, that would like certainly the first country that would get stuff. Um, so Fist of the North, the North Star is the first thing I've ever seen on TV. That was, yeah, um, <laughs> that was um, programmed for kids. Uh, Saturday morning, you know, 9 a.m., get in there, sure. get yourself some- That is uh, a way to start the day. Pilots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so that, I think the first the first episode that aired in France in back in eighty eight maybe eighty eighty nine but I didn't see my first episode before the nineties early nineties so I'd say nineteen ninety one um, so that would make me nine ten years old <laughs> again totally not the correct um, crowd for that, that that comic so what was the fist fist of the North Star um, so the setup is you following following this guy huge massive guy called um, what was his name Kenshiro. Um, and you're in, actually, funny enough, I think in mid-90s, early 90s, in the future, as it was written at the time, uh, and it's a total wasteland. Everything, the, the entire planet was destroyed by a nuclear war. Um, so there's obviously um, only people that are trying to survive and trying to make it into this world. Um, so you're following Kenshiro, who is um, very much want to live in peace, but he's mixed in with a bunch of people that are trying to obviously survive around him. So they're trying to, uh, uh, you know, rough him up a little bit at times. Um, so Kenshiro is, um, what's the word? He's, he's a student of initial martial arts, um, which trains those massive beefy guys to be um, assassins. 
uh, and what he does, <laughs> which is awesome. Uh, he'll use a technique that will hit hit people on certain spots on their body and get them to implode or explode and die on the spot. <laughs> so there's a long story, you know, there's a love story. Somebody uh, kidnaps his fiance and he's got to go and get her out, you know, sort of a Mario and Luigi setup, but with more exploding brains and stuff and body parts. Um, very kid-friendly. <laughs> very kid-friendly. Extremely. Yeah, extremely <laughs> violent. So... What, what I remember from it was the 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 color palettes that was used for it, right? It's, everything was always very gray, but then there were this splash of bloods. And I remember the first, it was very famous, the first couple, maybe the first season or the first two seasons, um, or the first few episodes at least, they left everything, all the body parts exploding, the heads exploding, the everything that was very graphic um, with the color red, everything was the color of blood. Um, and they only only a little bit later would they go, okay, maybe this is a bit too much for kids at 9 a.m. on Saturday. Turn it down a little bit so they would cut off those scenes. And the only thing they would do was, would be to uh, turn the blood from red to black. So, which is just a weird decision to make. Um, and, uh, so this is, this is what I grew up with. And that's why you wonder why I'm so messed up. This is because I was used to watch Feast of the North Star. Um, this is completely, if, if you want to, remember that well trying to picture what the world is like it's imagine a mix of mad max um with a guy that walks around the set of mad max just shouting like bruce lee you know every time he's hitting people it's like wah, 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 wah. it's just funny it's just weirdest thing so if you go on youtube and go and check it out um you see this completely badass guy tons of muscles um <laughs> that goes up and fight other people and you know you have body parts flying everywhere across the screen and then you got this guy with the you know it goes from the, the 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 deepest voice you've ever heard, and then it goes into fight mode. It's turned into the the highest pitch you've ever heard. It goes like, and you're like, not sure what's going on right there. <laughs> anyway, if you, if you um if you ever think of getting your kids to watch that, don't. <laughs> just just <laughs> under eighteen is a no no. <laughs> don't do what we did. Um, yes. So that that's that the first one. So I got to be honest, like you kind of like. I, I was not expecting that it was a show. So, because I've seen Fist of the North Star, but the movie. So yeah. I thought you were talking about the movie when you started talking. So it's it's an ongoing uh, show as well. So I'm, I'm, not really, I'm not really sure how many seasons they've done. I don't think oh, there's that right. many. Um, I think they've released a recent series was like the year before. I can't remember. Yeah. But yeah, they're still going, but it's in, but it's in 3D now. Uh, I remember a big controversy oh. of the new 3D models of the current characters and just be like, Ugh. but yeah, um, but yeah, it's still still going. It's still a big franchise, I think. I'm not, I'm not sure if they've done. I think I believe they've done two seasons, like two series back in the 90s. I think they stopped and released a bunch of films. Um, I think the 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 the, the manga still was still going. Um, and they've only very recently started up again on on creating new um, animes for yeah. it. So, um, but funny enough, um, again going back to the context of what it was like to watch French TV, uh, kids TV in the morning, um, they introduced a law back. I think it was ninety five, ninety six, where the French government went, "There's too much violence um, for the for, you know on kids TV," um, but. You know, and they were only pointing out at anime, and they were only pointing out at Japanese culture um, uh. that was bringing all that violence. But in this, at the same time, um, there were a lot of um, French animes, French-produced animes, 
that were maybe not as violent, but they, the, the topics they were dealing with was, if you think of it, slightly violent. There was a, the, a um, couple animes about um, um, orphan kids trying to make it through the world and then they would get into prostitutions and stuff like that. So it's not like easy, yeah, yeah. it's not easy um, easy topics to deal, you know, to talk about with kids and, and trying to broadcast that on a Saturday morning also. It's not, I don't know, you can, you, you can think what you, what you want, but like, I don't know if that was the right thing to do. Um, but what, what the French government wanted to do was to get more um, French produced cartoons on tv and it was cheaper to produce it like, you know you wouldn't buy those animes from japan that were a, a hell of a lot more expensive and violent but what was deemed to be too violent wasn't the fist fist of the north star which i literally remember people dying and blood splatting everywhere <laughs> you know not that it was dragon ball <laughs> well not dragon ball dragon ball z which i'll right. i think talk about a little bit later that's that's the the, the straw that broke the camel's back you know that was like the step too far you know people with yellow hair flying around them um, chucking energy balls that's too screaming far at each but other. They get, yeah screaming at each other but people exploding that nah, that's fine man that's all good um <laughs> so enough about that um so the second thing i, I also um first watch or so i think that Fist of the North Star is the first anime the first thing i've seen on tv that was related you know that was japanese and that like that was um, that caught my attention. I think the first manga I ever bought was Dragon Ball. Because um, I remember going um, into, you know, bookstores and seeing those little um, little stories and the guy that looked like a monkey, you know, a little boy with a monkey's tail. Um, so that was quite that was quite intriguing to me. And that's back around the days, I think, again, maybe around 94, 95 is when I started getting pocket money. Um, and I would spend that pocket money going, you know, lunchtime between two lessons, Instead of grabbing lunch, I'll go to the uh, the bookstore and just get myself a copy of Dragon Ball. So that was pretty cool. Um, so if you don't know Dragon Ball, it's uh, <laughs> it's a long multiverse story um, that starts. I think it's it, the first one was uh, eighty eight. What did I put? The first episode. Yep. Tom, how long does it go? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> Dude, it's, it, it started in eighty eight. It's still going on now. I mean. So <laughs> it's 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 about thirty years worth of, of reading and watching and you know it's a bunch of like how many seasons I don't know anymore like um, the, the 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 manga itself the, there's so many different issues and prints and reprints and formats and it, it never stops um, you know you you go from Dragon Ball to Dragon Ball Z Dragon Dragon Ball Kai uh, Dragon Ball GT which nobody talks about because it's just horrible. Um, what else? Dragon Ball Super, Dragon Ball, the, all the movies that came out also, it just, it just it never ends because there's so many declinations. Different, it's a multiverse, so they, they can go in any way, in any directions they want to go to, right? I mean, it's still they, very they, profitable. Super Broly, sorry, yeah. the, the yeah, anime right. film Super Broly came out, what was it, two, three years ago? And I heard it did really, really well overseas as well. So it's yeah. still a very profitable, profitable series. That's why it just keep going. Well, you know, everyone still loves it to this day. I was, I was I was looking at um, sales number in France, but um, not not movie or anything. It's the, the, just the books, just the manga. It's still going through the roofs. I mean, if, even myself, I'm getting the French versions of them delivered here in the UK, um, and they they come out like six or seven months before the the English versions. Um, so it's very profitable in France. They they, they still sell out. Not sell, yeah, actually they do sell out. When I go to the shops, when I when I do get home, sometimes it's yeah. it's it's not hard to find. But you've got to go and sometime phone ahead in stores and say hey can i get my copy you know 
reserved. So it's, yeah, um, to, to, to put it in context for the audience, right? It's like, if you think about it in terms of like, where's Western media? And we talk about things like the Simpson that we, that we feel has gone on for ages. Like, I, I believe this easily eclipses the Simpsons in terms of like sheer output and, and longevity. It's yeah. I don't think there are as many seasons as the Simpsons. I'm not sure about that. I think there were a couple of breaks in between, you know, they stopped at a story arc and then they, they took a break for two or three years and then somebody else under the supervision of, of um, I think it's Toriyama. Was it, what's his name, sir? Do you know the, the creator of Dragon Ball? Uh, oh God, my brain's gone blank. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can't remember his name, but I think under his supervision, he's this this um, this how should we call them understudy um, yeah. that that have taken over his drawing style um, and then the storylines as well. But he would give he the green light for the story to be um, released. So it's quite it's quite interesting to see how it's working now. The guy's not drawing anything anymore, Dragon Ball related. Um, so he, he's 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 now kicking back and sipping beers in Japan, um, just looking at <laughs> making sure that everything still makes sense. Yep. Um, yep. So it's quite interesting. Uh, just so seeing his wallet grow. Uh, no, th- with uh, with anime, one of the things that also just kind of uh, for kind of the broader context is that these franchises tend to go on for year after year for year. And to your point is about the huge profitability behind them. They are actually legitimate money makers and, and they get absorbed as soon as they come out. Yeah. And then you get things like, for example, I just find it fascinating. Like the in Western culture, we've got a couple of franchises we can hold up as far as longevity, right? Like the Simpsons, like Dr. Who, uh, things that have gone on for quite a few years. But when you talk about like the Japanese culture, they can rail off easily 10 more without even thinking about it. Like you think about the legacy of Ultraman, the legacy of like Godzilla, yeah. like you look at, you look at Dragon Ball. We look at like Yu-Gi-Oh, like things that have gone on for absolute decades. Right. And just like the sheer ability to produce for that long. And then the other part to, for anybody that's new to anime is that, and, and I only caught this for my son, funny enough, where like, whereas we talk about seasons in Western culture in anime, you tend to talk about story arcs. Right. It's like that that really delineates, I feel like the the ongoing narrative a lot more than the particular season, because sometimes seasons I notice will end in between arcs and there's like some like that filler moment happening. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so these things have had like multiple arcs, 30 years worth going. And yeah, it's 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 one of those like absolute franchises that's a classic in anime like Dragon Ball. There's no way you, you can't get into anime, not have heard of it. Yep. Um, his name Akira Toriyama. I don't know why I keep forgetting about this guy. There we go. Uh, also, the creator of Dragon's Quests on PlayStation. Well, actually, no, it's, it's on. Isn't it just on PlayStation? I digress. But um, I think it's on multiple platforms. It no, it's on Nintendo. Wrong, but yeah, Dragon, Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest came out two years ago. There's Dragon Quest Eight. That was highly rated. But yeah, it's, that's another series that's going on to this day. It's basic Dragon Quest is basically. Uh, any of our audience are gamers. It's basically the equivalent of Final Fantasy over in. Um, Obviously, yep. Final Fantasy is really popular in Japan as well, but Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy are kind of like rival franchises over there because they've both been on for so long. Right. Interesting. I- I've not heard of that one, actually. Cool. Is there is there a game around that one? I feel like I've heard it more in the gaming world for some reason. What? Which one? Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest? Yeah, Dragon Quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a gaming franchise, but done by the same creator as Dragon Ball. Yeah. Dragon Ball. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Got it. Oh, cool. Uh, all right, guys. So let's move on to the last uh, uh, anime, uh, first anime experience yeah, uh, of the day. So uh, to give a little context, like 
my anime is a really old anime. Uh, and it's because in Honduras, we just didn't get a lot of anime. And funny enough, doing a little research behind this one, I finally understood why this was the first anime that I ever saw, but I'll, I'll come back to that. Uh, but basically the, the first anime I ever saw was Mazinger Z, or as they call it in, in Japan, uh, Majinga Zeto. Uh, and uh, it is known as like the first anime where the robot, and it's a, a mech anime, right? So for anybody that's familiar that mech animes are uh, animes that hover around like some sort of robot that people control to go into battles, right? It's not like um, in the case of Fist of North Star, the, the actual person is a samurai or ninja or whatnot that actually has abilities. In this case, most people don't have abilities necessarily. It's more the case of like what they're actually able to to build and the robot has all the abilities. So this one is actually an anime that came out in 1972 and ran through 1974. It was the first anime where the person that was actually uh, uh, controlling the robot was inside the robot. Before that, all the all the robots were controlled externally. Uh, so this guy had like a little hovercraft that would like go into the robot's head and then he could control the robot, right? Uh, so I I started watching this same, like one of the local channels just had it on a syndi on, on syndication. And, uh, and it was actually even in Spanish. Like I didn't even get to uh, see it in English until years later. Uh, and with this uh, particular anime, one of the things that I absolutely loved about it is like, it just has all the classic anime tropes in every single possible way. There's always like a goofy character off to the side that's his sidekick. There's always like the, 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 the female companion that's like there to fight along his side, but just occasionally gets brought in. They still weren't that progressive back then. Like she occasionally shows up for most, but doesn't always show up. Um, and then uh, and then of course, like we've got like the, the character that has something, like he's got his hero's quest uh, uh, like for himself right that that he has to go find something and whatnot um so in this one like he mans a robot that has uh the, these abilities um and i'll come back to this in a second the purpose of the show the plot of it is that there this there's this uh team of scientists and they uncover like this island that has a bunch of robots that were built like in like the bronze era so they realized that like previous um uh, civilizations actually had robot technology, but the world never knew. So then one of the the, 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 the scientists on the team kind of goes crazy over it and decides he's going to use those robots to take over the world because there's really like hundreds of them stashed away. So then he kills all the other scientists. Only one scientist is left over. Uh, and, and then he goes off and then creates his own robot to fight these robots. Um, and then, but, but he dies in the process of it and he leaves it to his son, uh, Koji Kabuto. And, uh, and, and he's just like the protagonist throughout, actually not his son, his grandson. Uh, he's a protagonist throughout the story. Uh, and, uh, and he basically has to take on the evil scientist that's left over with all these robots called Dr. Hell. So why do I, do I find this like super like fascinating is because uh, one, because it, it kind of was like a pivotal moment in like anime history in terms of like how robots were used, but also it's like, this was in the seventies and I probably watched this in like 1987, 88 or so. Um, and when it was brought over, uh, I managed to get the best version of it, not knowingly. So it was brought over to the, probably the States and probably the UK as trans, transger, wait, let me get that right. Uh, Transer Z. Uh, they came up with like a different name for it. Uh, but in the version they brought over, they also made all the characters like American sounding. So it was no longer Koji Kabuto. Get this. It was Tommy Davis. Because yeah. Koji Kabuto equals Tommy <laughs> Davis in some sort of weird dumb world. <laughs> Unfortunately, they did that a lot with like the 90s. They had to make everything sound very American. Um, 
going back to Salem very briefly, um, in Japan, obviously in the UK, we drive on the left. But when they brought it over to the US, they flipped the screen. So it looked like the cars were driving <laughs> on the right. Oh, that's so they did hilarious. little things like to try and make it as American as possible. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, names were changed on the Pokemon anime. They had changed the uh, Japanese food into saying it's a donut or a hot dog, or just mm. something like that. So yeah, yeah, Tommy Davis. That's that sounds like a name of a Power Ranger though. <laughs> thing, it's like oh, it made no sense. Uh, sounds like but... a Premier League football player, to be honest. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. So, um, but this is a crazy part. So uh, at the same time that they're sending it off to, to the United States, Japan somehow realizes that Mexico is super into uh, anime and they decide to, to actually license it out to Mexico. But in their version, they don't make all those changes. They just straight dub it, like dub it to Spanish. They use all the original names. They don't cut out any of the original footage. Uh, also for the US market, they only sent a certain amount of episodes because I think it's you need like 60, is it 60 episodes to syndicate in the US, they just send those exact 60 episodes. So you actually never get to see the resolve of the first of the, of the first uh, uh, arc, I guess. Um, and uh, whereas the Mexican version, we got all the episodes, none of the cuts, we got all the original names. So I was like, oh, great. Like I actually got to see like how original is meant to be watched. Um, and uh, and the, the why, why that ties in that I, that I really love is that because it was, it was in Mexico, then we probably more than likely, uh, like our local, a local channel was probably pirating it off of like a Mexican station and that's how we ended up getting it in Honduras um, because it was one of the local channels and I only ended up watching it because when I got into trouble my parents would take away cable and make me watch the local channels like that was my punishment (laughs) (laughs) you'd be punished with anime (laughs) exactly and I was like what is this thing and uh and I was like wait but this is pretty awesome like I like like I I recognize visually there was something different about it uh, and that story-wise, there's something mentioned about it, but I didn't have a name for it. I didn't know it was anime. I was just like, it's it's Messenger. It's like, it's a really cool show that I like to watch. It's like the only dub show I ever watched as a kid. Uh, but because it was syndicated in Mexico, it, it was a big influence for Guillermo del Toro. Uh, so then he says that um, uh, Pacific Rim is loosely based on Messenger C. And I was like, Full circle, man, because Guillermo del Toro is like one of my favorite directors. I'm like, I love that. So He's Very talented, yeah. So that's my story. Eventually, like the next one I watched was probably Voltron, but even that I had like limited access to. So I don't like feel as attached to it. So this is the one that I have like a huge attachment to. And there's actually an updated to, I think 2017 movie, Messenger Z Infinity, that now has like updated graphics and I'm dying to watch it. I do have one question for you, JC. So knowing that this was your punishment, did you purposely get in trouble so you could endure more of your punishment? That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like, how much more? <laughs> oh, no, mom, I just messed up the window. Oh, look. Oh, the fridge door is open. Oh, no. Punish me now. Right. So <laughs> if, if we lived in a Netflix world, totally, <laughs> it would have been like the best punishment. But you have to understand, this happened at like half an hour of my day for once a week. <laughs> I got to watch it for like half an hour. So no, it was a punishment legitimately because <laughs> the rest of it was like really bad news or like or like shows that have just been like like really badly dubbed shows from English to Spanish. That back then the dubs were not good. And the thing is that the dubs all sounded Mexican. Like they had a very Mexican accent. And back then like the, the soccer rivalries, it was kind of like, like having like a show in the UK that had like a French sounding dub. 
or it's like that big like like soccer rivalry like it just didn't sit well with you that's how we felt about like the Mexican dub we're like it doesn't sound right it sounds like someone's narrating something we don't want to hear at all because Mexico is always whipping her butt back in the 80s and we didn't like them very much for that <laughs> yeah it'll be, be the same for us with Belgians you know if you, if you hear the Belgian accent you'll be like oh nah. Uh, exactly so yeah it, 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 i'd love to get that punishment if it was on netflix that would be awesome <laughs> if you knew it was coming on every friday evening start just tearing the place apart friday morning so you're punished by the afternoon <laughs> pretty much that would be awesome. i'd like to punish myself right now and just have myself watch netflix all day long that would be awesome <laughs> All right, everyone, and we'll wrap up the first episode there. We're going to make this a three-part series. This is where we introduced you to all the first animes that any of us ever watched. Uh, look out for the second episode. We'll tell you the anime that actually got us hooked into the genre and that got us like that got us into a lifelong relationship with anime. So look out for that one. Uh, we'll be back. And uh, take care out there and stay nerdy. <laughs>